is the Under Centre Podcast. Hello and welcome to the special edition of the Under Centre Podcast. Dara Mara with you here. We are looking back at American football in Ireland over the year 2022. And I'm delighted to have a great bunch of guests here with me this evening. As always, I have Fionn Malloy. Of course, us two representing the North Dublin Pirates in Division 2 this evening. Fionn, how are you? I'm doing very well there. Excellent stuff. Two shows in a week. You are back for good this time now. Yeah, I'm back on the I'm back on the horse. Fell off the wagon there for a little bit. I had to get some things <laughs> sorted out, but it's all good, ready to rock now. Uh, look, like a prominent uh, politician said, you realised that the grass isn't greener on the other side now, did you? Not really. No, I shopped around. <laughs> I couldn't get a better contract there. To be brutally honest with you, <laughs> the domestic game wouldn't have you. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> no, we couldn't put the money in front, unfortunately. <laughs> and that is the voice of Joe Kinnahan from the domestic game, also from the Westmead Minotaurs. Joe, it's the we're delighted to actually finally have you on the show. How are you? Doing great. It's great to be on. Uh, we had a bit of a wacky old uh, 2022 across all three divisions, so I'm excited to uh, just dive straight into it, I suppose. That's it. We'll try and cover as many areas as we can about, you know, the ups and downs and, like you said, the roller coaster that was the AFI in 2022 and our fourth and definitely not least guest of this evening, that is Steve O'Rourke, a regular uh, contributor on the show as well. But we're not talking about NFL tonight, Steve. We're going to be talking about the local game. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's uh, makes a nice change to 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 talk about the uh, the local scene than than the NFL. So looking forward to it. Yeah, well, I didn't want you to sort of get too upset about talking about the Raiders too much now this evening. So we'll we'll try and keep it as light and bubbly as possible. But I should probably send congratulations as well uh, in advance about the new book. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, very exciting kind of work. Two and a half years of work. Um, nice that it's finally public knowledge. Um, so it's it's good that it's out there. And uh, looking forward to it getting into people's hands next March. So. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. Looking forward to getting my copy for sure. But look, we will uh, have a chat about, We're like I mentioned off air, guys, we're going to keep this as, as light as possible, try and keep as much as a round table as possible. So we can imagine that we have a nice tasty pint in front of us and we're just talking about the year in the pub. But um, let's let's look at uh, each team more individually. And, and Steve, I'll start with you on this one, of course, with the, the Dublin Rhinos and um, of course, unfortunately, relegated last year in the last day of the season. Um, so I believe your first year as a head coach um, of the team, sort of first full season probably with at, at them. And sort of overall, how, how did you feel the season went? Yeah, it could have gone better, I think is, is probably the summary. Um, it's a funny one because I think people, it's really easy to forget like that when our season started, COVID was still a massive factor. Uh, and our first game against the Cowboys up in up in Craig Avon, we travelled with 19 players and uh, lost 11 players the week of the game because of COVID. Either they were close contacts or they had COVID. Uh, we asked the league, could we possibly have a postponement? And we were told, no, you have to play the game or it's a forfeit. That was frustrating. They did, to be fair to them, give us special dispensation to bring retirees out of retirement um, to play that game. But it's a funny one because you do all this prep. You do all this prep for, you know, your first game of the season. You, you, we, obviously, it was my first year with the team. 
um, bringing a whole new offensive playbook, trying to run a new system that we'd never run before. But I was pretty confident. We'd had a couple of preseason games. We'd we'd had a really high-scoring game against uh, the Crusaders in a friendly. Um, came out two points on the wrong side of that. But like I was really happy with how the offense performed. And that defense needed a lot of work, but I was really happy with the offense. And then we played a game against uh, Mead uh, where for whatever reason, we had six different touchdowns chalked off because of offensive penalties, but the defense held, held me completely scoreless. And I don't think they had a first down in the game. So I was really happy with that side of the ball. So I thought, okay, we'd had a good run in this. We've got a decent chance, but we knew the two games against the Cowboys were going to be crucial. Like we knew you could win both those games. We'd probably be safe. If we could win one of them and squeak a result somewhere else. Then, cause that was our, the goal for the year was, was just to survive. And then the very first play of the game against the Cowboys, we we ran a, a QB run, designed QB run play, where we took our slot receiver on the right-hand side off that side of the field and brought him over to the left-hand side of the field into the X position. And that meant we had no receivers on that side of the field. The Cowboys did not know how to react to it. They brought like two defenders from that side with the motion. So that right-hand side of the field was completely open with a quarterback who once ran a 12-second 100 meters. This was a touchdown, first play of the game. Except the guy going in motion tore his hamstring and we got a delay of game penalty on the very first play of the game. And that was the sign of what was come for the Rhino season. So, and look, injuries happen. Like completely get it. But like that was such a bad portent for the season. And then overall, I think we we stayed. We just couldn't. We just could not get the ball moving on offense for whatever reason. We we often found ourselves behind in games, and we were always going to be a run first team. But when you're chasing a score, you kind of have to go to the pass, and 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 we we kind of struggled a lot. And it was funny, funny though, like because the rebels destroyed us. The rebels after, and I I lot. The first time I've ever gotten angry on the sideline after that game. Um, and the lads re- reacted and bounced back really well. Like we 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 held the Panthers really really close. And then our probably best game of the season was against UCD. Like we were six all with UCD at halftime. We probably should have been two scores up on them. We like we had fourth and goal twice and got stopped twice because we decided not. I decided not to kick field goal. Um, and like we really played well that game. And then it just, the season kind of just fizzled out from there. Um, we traveled to Belfast and they had, for the, for the Trojans, they had three times the amount of players that we had. Uh, and then for the Knights game, I turned up and they had doubled the players we had. And, you know, they scored on their very first play. So it was done. Uh, but look, I can't fault the lads. Not everyone who turned up, like, they put in a shift but we didn't start two games um, this year. We started one game all season with what I would have considered our starting 11 on offense. And you know yourself, like you have to have planned for injuries, but you can't ever expect to never be able to put out your best team. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the table doesn't lie. And I think, you know, it, it felt to me, and I would never have said this to the lads, but it felt to me from about four games in that relegation was we would be very lucky to 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 not get relegated. Um 
and it's a chance to to reset and start again. And that's the way we have to look at it. I've stepped down as, as head coach. I should never have taken on head coach. It was too much. Just had a baby, writing a book, uh, work, my actual job as well. It's an awful lot to take on as well as coming up with an offensive playbook and then trying to run a team. So we're in much more capable hands now in Dahi Hosford, who's taken over as head coach, former punter with the team, been around the league for a long time. Um. I'm 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 quietly quietly happy that look relegated. No one ever wants to be relegated. No one ever wants to lose. But sometimes you just have to take that one step back to take two steps forward, and and that's what I hope will happen. Yeah, and just like you mentioned with that with with, with players and stuff like that with COVID, it was the first time in three years that you know we have had a season and like that. It was probably I think what was it like. 13 weeks before the season started, we were told we were getting the go-ahead to to play. And, you know, the league didn't know where we were going to play. We didn't know if we were going to play. And that that was tough. And that the players didn't know if we were going to play, and which was tough. And did you find that in that three-year span, you saw the drop-off of, sort of like maybe veterans just deciding, look, I'm not coming back now. It's been too long. And um, and not being able to recruit, sort of that sort of mixture just sort of, you know, is is a cocktail for disaster pretty much. Yeah. The recruiting was almost impossible because we tried to recruit like in October, the, the October before the season started and we got like two guys down. Um, and they were both former pirates actually. Sorry about that. Um, but like that, but nobody wanted to commit to a sport and you no rookies wanted to commit to a new sport when they had no idea if there was a season going to happen or not. And I completely understand that. Like, whereas if you compare it to this year and we've had over like 20 new people come down, like the difference because they know the season is going ahead is just, just incredible. So I think, yeah, COVID definitely had a huge effect. Like even little things like, you know, we didn't get a bus up to the first game up in Craig Avon. We all went in cars because people were worried about, you know, being too many people on a bus or whatever. And, and it was all things like that, that kind of like, it's, you know yourself, like if you've ever tried to install a, a a playbook, either offensively or defensively, to try and do it on just video calls uh, and one session a week, one two hour session a week, it's almost impossible, you know. Um, so what was happening was we were relying on a lot of lads playing out of position, suddenly being asked to run routes when they've only ever been a cornerback before, things like that. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely had an effect. Now I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's the reason. I think there's like it's one of many reasons why the season ended up the way it did. To be honest, I think the league, I think the league handled it well. Eventually, COVID. I like I I I, I and I say eventually because the season before, when COVID was still kind of relatively new, we were down to play Cork the opening game of the season. Now, I wasn't head coach at this stage. I was just the OC at that stage. Chris Cullen uh, was, was head coach. And we, like, you, I don't know if you know, but Paul Hosford is, plays with the Rhinos and, he, you know, he's one of the foremost journalists in the country. And, like, he was here get, at all these COVID briefings talking about how you shouldn't be gathering in large groups and you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. And for that court game, we had 42 players registered. And the court game never went ahead because of COVID. As I said to you, we went up to Craig Avon with 19 when football eventually returned two years later or three years later. So that's the difference. You've lost almost half your players. Um, uh, and other teams, like it's not like we were the only ones who suffered. And I don't think we were. I think a lot of teams suffered. And I think, you know, 
there's there's that thing that happens as well. Uh, when you're a winning team, it's really easy to get players to 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 come and join your team or to turn up for training. When you're a losing team, like it's it's really really difficult to keep motivating people. I noticed something, and I get, I don't want to make this all about the rhinos because there's much more interesting stories from 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 the season. Um, but I noticed this thing that happened, and it wasn't deliberate. It wasn't deliberate at all. But like we had we had a lot of coaches. We had like. You know, I had three assistant coaches on offense, and our defense coordinator had two assistant coaches. With a lot of, with a lot of really, lot of experience from lads who've been around the league for a long time. And when games would start, I'd be surrounded by coaches, and everyone would have an opinion. But by the time the game was over, I was kind of on my own because nobody wants to be associated with losing. And I completely understand it. Like I'm not criticizing anyone. Like I love the lads we have coaching. What it's just that thing, it's that human nature is that when when you're losing and when you've got that losing stink on you, like it's completely natural that like and plus I didn't want to talk to anyone. I was annoyed because that's my playbook and it's not working. So what have I done wrong? It was never the player's fault. It was obviously me not adapting and things like that. But it's it's all that kind of it, what I saw on a macro level, like at a team level, that like people wouldn't turn up to training because we were losing. Well, we're losing because you're not turning up to training. Uh, but then during a game, lads would be really into it at the start. But then when it started to drift away from us, the disinterested kick in. And it, again, completely understandable. It's perfectly human reaction. And I don't, I don't blame anyone. Like I, all those losses, every single one of our seven losses, like sit with me for, for, for last season. But I found, I found that like the, I think going back to like your, your question the motivation that I would have seen around teams before, because this is the third team I've been involved with in, in the league. The motivation around players was definitely at its lowest point at the start of last season. I think by the end of the season, I think when everyone knew, like at the SBC level, we didn't have a game cancelled. You know, I think that was a huge achievement for the league and things like that. Like, um, I think the motivation factor was there. And I definitely see it this time around going into this season, just chatting to people I know around the league, lots of rookies turning up. Lots of people who are now know that there's going to be football are happy to be involved in it. I think that's great overall for the league. I think that's a that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And Joe, uh, we're going to move down the division. We're going to talk about Division One, um, especially with yourself and, and the Minotaur. It's a fantastic year for them. Obviously, finishing up with that uh, Division One ball game victory over the Vikings and. Just the, the same sort of question I asked with Stephen there. The, a brief synopsis of how you felt the season has been overall. Well, it kind of started a bit disjointed. Obviously, we'd had that uh, preseason friendly with the Philadelphia Blue Flame, which I think went better than we really expected. We did next to nothing on offense <laughs> in that game. But, um, you know, they're just so fast and physical, but we managed to, to squeak out a win there. And, uh, you know, with all this momentum going, we were thinking, yeah, you know what? We've beat an American team. We're the first Irish team to do that in however long. Let's let's get into this season now and, and, you know, really kick into it. And we were so excited. And then first game of the season is postponed. <laughs> we're like, okay, fantastic. Definitely how that goes. Obviously, I've talked so much about the forfeits now uh, on the um, the domestic game that it's, it's, it's kind of become a parody now where, People are always making fun of me talking about it, but they happened. Three, four fits in, in a season is something you don't want to really have to have happen. But at the end of the day, there's nothing really that 
could have been avoided once the season started um, with the Eagles and Trinity. Um, but yeah, like once that once we actually got to play games, um, it actually went quite well, you know, on the field. Just felt like everything on offense was kind of clicking, and the defense especially was fantastic this year. Like guys like Jay McBride and who we were missing, who we were missing all year. Um, he was uh, on tour in Lebanon, so we had guys like uh, Stephen Nally step up, and uh, cornerbacks uh, like young guys Peter Dempsey, Jordan Lacey, like these guys only playing football maybe two years. Um, I know Jordan's debut season was 2019. Like, to have those guys step up in the way they did, especially in the final, you know, like, that's the sort of stuff that we'd kind of been missing the last couple of years where we were kind of knocking on the door a little bit and slowly pushing our way in. And it's just that kind of influx of youth. Again, it's, it's the same thing for most teams, you know. It's just once you can get a really good recruiting year, you really see the 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 productivity on the field step up. Like it's it's a numbers game at the end of the day, you know. That's why the likes of say the Trojans and Rebels have done so well for so long. And you see UCD's team on the sideline this year. It looks like a bloody army showing up compared to some teams around the league. Um, but we were we were lucky enough to have a, a pretty good year uh, or a pretty good COVID kind of off season uh, in in that regard. Um, we may have been one of the few teams that actually probably increased in numbers, which we, again we are so lucky and so thankful for because it gave gave us a bit more to do and hide a couple of things that we could show from different players uh, later on in the year. Um, the one thing for me, looking back on it, especially the Vikings game that we lost. So we were we'd gone the whole season undefeated and we thought you know what if we can finish this 8-0 and go on to a bowl game that's fantastic and uh, UL came up to Mullingar and they smacked us silly it was but it was humbling you know like we didn't expect to be beaten in every aspect of the game as bad as we were but I think in the long run that actually probably helped us because I think we put our guard up a bit more in the final we were like okay we know that we have to be wary of you guys now. I think had we gone in into that final against UL, having already beaten them in Limerick, and had we beaten them in Mullingar, I think we probably would have walked into that game thinking, ah, yeah, it's it's Limerick, we've got it, and then have that 25-6 game happen in the final, which is not ideal. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we, we, were, we had a pretty good season after that. Obviously, we had the Crusaders in the semi-final. No, that's a lie. We didn't have the Crusader. We had the Vipers in the semi-final. And then, obviously, the final, which I would have loved to have. Um, like, it was great that it got streamed. Um, the Vikings, fair play to them for for getting a camera sorted in such short notice. I didn't realize that uh, AFI weren't going to be able to sort something out themselves. But trying to watch that game back is a bit difficult because of the the, the connection that was up there at the time, the on the day, the internet connection. So it's a bit choppy, but um, yeah, that day was something else. Obviously, not being able to finish the game for me, for myself, was a bit disappointing. Um, but I'll take that if it meant we won any day of the week. You know, I'd rather half I play. I'd rather play a quarter and then go out injured and win the game than you know to to lose another final. I couldn't deal with that heartbreak. <laughs> yeah.
And that's a, it's an interesting point that you make there about the the recording itself and the fact that it wasn't because obviously they had they did have a, a special weekend for the both Division One and Division Two ball games at the same weekend up in was it New Forge, wasn't it? That's where it was up yes. in Belfast. Yes. Um and then obviously they had the, the Shamrock Ball the week after, which we were both at both working at for in Kingspan Stadium, which obviously had its recording as well. And um that's sort of one of the first questions that I'm going to open up to everybody. And, and Fiona, I know you haven't had a chance to come in yet. And I want to get your opinion on this too. But when it, co- when it comes to these lower divisions, are you hoping or maybe looking to get maybe a bit more done to sort of prop up these uh, divisions a little bit more now over the next couple of years? Yeah, I, th- I think it's more fun for everyone that way, isn't it? And I, I, I don't blame the AFI. Look, it's difficult to drum up uh, false interest I've no I've uh don't envy that kind of job of creating a buzz around these lower teams. Uh, there's some ideas floating around there. I think there's some tools that are already available that can really be be benefited. I do think a little bit of extra planning like Joe said, make sure the connection's good, get a camera going. Feel like there's a bit of a, a bit of emotion, a bit of commotion going on about the lower divisions that that not only because uh, AFI does does look after them, we know that the people in there are all volunteers. They care deeply about American football in Ireland, and the lower vision divisions are necessary. There is not enough spaces on a football team for everyone to play up in the SBC. So these uh, the lower two divisions, especially Division Two, for the development, and then Division One, obviously, as a more of a feeder to the SBC. They're vitally important to the to the football ecosystem. But it's just about I I guess getting a bit more flow going maybe off the pitch or in some less competitive aspects. The division two team is never going to play a, an SBC team. I don't think ever should in terms of preseason friendlies or anything, but getting, getting team bases together, getting coaches, knowing players and players, knowing players. And it's just a bit of buzz, a bit of, a bit of outside football. I feel like would be great. I don't have the answers. Like I say, I'm, I don't, Hold it against the AFI for not getting this done. It's a very difficult thing to do. It's a very subtle thing to do. I think it's going to take years of careful planning. And some things are going to work that we're not expecting. Some things are going to work, go exactly as planned. And some things are just going to flop. But for me, it's always like if I know guys on other teams, I I was always in awe. We had one guy when we first started. I was on the original North Dublin Pirates team. And the one of the players that used to play for the draw the lightning who played up in a much higher division than than the Pirates have yet to get to. He knew guys off different teams. He was he was paying attention. He knew the coaches. And I think that draws, and it's not just going up. I think it will be great if the attention comes down a little bit, but it also has to be natural, right? Because otherwise it's a little bit condescending and we, we kind of have to be careful. Look, nobody's saying that every team in Ireland is equal and they just need a chance. And no, look, there's different tiers and that's fine. But there's... Who's to say there isn't a guy in in SB or in Division Two as it's called now that could that could go to an Ireland training? Okay, he might never get on a on a squad panel, but now guys are starting to see players from these other more obscure teams and get involved and talk to coaches and have a bit of banter and how he is getting on and what's going on and oh we like to do this and get the coaching flowing and the players flowing and the knowledge flowing. I think that's a good way. And like I said, I'm, I'm not putting any fault or blame on anybody that this hasn't happened yet. But for me, that's the next step. As a league, as all teams, as all individuals in the league, that's where we need to get to really care 
about all the other teams. At the moment, everyone cares a lot about their own team. You guys, I'm sure, have certain teams in your divisions that are your rivals, even if they don't see it the other way, right? There's always one team that we like to, let's get it going. Let's let's get the AFI going. College football, last game of the season, is always rivalry week. You play your rival. Let's Let's get this kind of stuff going, a bit of atmosphere going. Not that there isn't at the games, but look, I played for the Pirates. My very first game, we played against the Wexford Eagles. There was about 100 people at that game. That's by far the biggest crowd I've ever played American football against. It's never got past about 20, I'd say, since then. So I just love a bit more, bit more atmosphere. And again, it's not an, easy, not an easy thing to create, not an easy thing to manufacture and have it be authentic. But for me, I think that's got to be the ultimate goal of the AFI at the moment because in terms of football, the SBC is in a great position. We see the Wolfhounds now really competing on an international stage. That's got to be the next thing, right? Get that that real league feeling through all three tiers of American football in Ireland. Yeah. Biggest crowd we had all season was the day we gave away free ice cream <laughs> at a game. Like, <laughs> honestly, I swear to God, we had 150 people come down and watch Cork absolutely hammerous. But, like, you know, Cork are a very good football team. Um, but, yeah, the free ice cream, everyone's family came down. And it's like, it's those simple things. Like, do you know, like... I've always had this point, like, so my wife and kids, they come along to, they don't necessarily come to the whole game, but for every home game, they'll, they'll arrive down. And I think if everyone can just get like three or four people there for a game, it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be for the whole game. You create an atmosphere, you get that kind of vibe going, but that has to be natural. There has to be a desire to do that. Like me convincing my wife to travel to Donegal or Derry to, you know, to play the Vipers, that's never going to happen. But, like, she can come across to Castle Knock. You know, it's not, that's not that big a deal. I think there's a few points there. Uh, one of the things, and maybe this is, like, way off base and maybe nobody else thinks this is a good idea. It's certainly not the views of the Dublin Rhinos. These are purely my personal views. I think the worst thing we've done in this country uh, in terms of football is put youth football in the hands of individual teams. I think youth football should be a collaborative effort between teams. I think there should be a Dublin-based youth team. There should be a Midlands-based youth team. There should be a Northern-based youth team. And I think the coaches should come from all the clubs. And that's not to say fair play. There's certain teams, and I think the Panthers and, and Cork are, are, are right up there, who've done an excellent job at setting up their youth programmes. But that's not going to teach those those kids are then committed to that team forever and like you could say fair play like they've done they've done the work there but what i'm saying is it goes back to what you said it's if you're exposed to more coaches and more coaching and more types of coaching and more types of offenses more types of defenses you're going to become a better football player and that's what and flag is the same i think flag is amazing but I'd also like to see, like, I love the fact that Flag has more teams that are separated from the, like, the original, the core kitted clubs. I think that's brilliant because, again, you're exposed to more people, you're exposed to more types of football. It's really, really positive for the sport. So I'd love to see that on a on a youth scale. I think that's a really simple thing. And the other thing I think that's a, such a simple fix, especially for streaming and especially for crowds, is double headers. There's enough teams based close enough together that you could just run double headers, run more of them and run them on a Saturday evening. Like do it on a Saturday evening when people can have a few cans on the sideline or something like that. Like there's loads of ways of doing this that are organic, that are natural, 
and that don't actually take a huge amount of effort from 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 the American football Ireland who again as everyone has pointed out they're volunteers and like nobody's getting paid to do any of this and the least was the only people that are paid in this sport are the referees like which is kind of incredible but you know that's a completely different conversation I think that there is little steps very and they're not big asks that could be taken to improve the sport as a whole but I think the issue you come into and maybe maybe I'm being stupid about this and maybe my thought process is wrong but I want to grow the sport I want players to be playing at a better level because that helps the Ireland team that helps all it helps the view of the sport in this country look how basketball is viewed compared to how football is viewed right considering there are much much more football fans in this country than there are basketball fans. You just have to look at Twitter on a, on Sunday night to realise that, that that's true. We just need to stop worrying about our own teams doing well and our own teams getting better. And at a level across the, the whole league, all three divisions, need to think about how can we make football better. You'll never have full consensus on that. You'll always have people who's, whose desire to win is much more important than anything else. Mm-hmm. But I coach youths in, in different sports. The worst thing that happens is when you start coaching youth teams to win, you should be coaching them to be better players. That is all it is about. And at a certain, to a certain extent, you have to consider football in this country as being at like a middle school or an early high school level, because that's the type of offenses and defenses that we run. That's the amount of training that we can do. So the focus should always be on improving the standard of the game here and not winning. But you, unless you get 100% consensus for that, it's not going to work. It needs every team's buy-in. And I'd love to see some sort of like some sort of thing where everyone committed to this. And it's like you said, Fionn, like let's have giant scrimmages. Let's have more of those. We've done those. They're, those are brilliant. We did one pre-COVID with, with, with uh, Drahada, and it was amazing. We all learned from it. Everyone walked away from it better you know, um, and I just look, I would love to see more of that because what happens sometimes is you organize a giant scrimmage, but actually it's just a friendly and you're mm-hmm. trying to avoid paying for an ambulance. That's really what's happening. Um, so I just think that, I just think that there's, again, it's, it's, not, I don't think any of these things are huge asks, but it just requires a little bit of thought outside of your team. And it's, I know that's so hard and I know people turn around and say, well, no, your focus should, my focus should be the rhinos. But my focus is the sport. I love the sport. I want the sport to be better. Um, and how we do that is shared knowledge. That's the simplest way to do that. And I think I think you hit on a good point there, Stephen. Maybe maybe some of this stuff is is uh, very budget friendly, let's say, but it's obviously time consuming. Like little things. I, I I agree with you as well. Like get ha- making it feel bigger than it is is a very american thing we're playing an american sport you mentioned high school middle school in america they come in they have show bands they've dancers they've everything i'm not saying we need that but make it feel bigger have more of a of an instagram presence more of a twitter presence these are great free social medias that i think we can take a little bit more advantage of i'm sure the league already has stuff in place Joe, you lads on the domestic game do a great job of showing people that there's more than just the Rebels and the Trojans and UCD playing every week. It goes all the way down through the divisions. There's real storylines going on. You guys do a great job of making those storylines feel real, giving power rankings for all the leagues. Do you know what I mean? Making it 
feel like it's a real sport. It's a big sport. This is this is a national league. This is technically the top level of American football. You can play in Ireland at a national level outside of the international game. So I think there's some things. And like I said, the problem is, yes, those things are free. But they, do, I know, we know from running the podcast, it takes a lot of energy. We're so lucky. We have Dara. Dara does the bulk of that grunt work. And it keeps that presence going. It helps us grow. It lets me put what I can to it. And and then that helps Dara out and it gets us all to be a bit bigger. But we need to get one guy on the ground to grab this thing and go, I'm going to make up, I'm going to get my mate who's great at graphics. And I'm going to make up deadly graphics about every game. Not, we, we've started off now. Now we've got every fixture. Every week, if I want to know who's playing in Ireland, I can see it, whether it's on our show, on the domestic game, on the AFI Twitter. Now let's big it up. Let's start getting graphics. Let's see if we can get some videos. Let's see. I saw AFI already reached out and said, scores of the season. Look, I think that's a great idea. I think, unfortunately, just not enough teams have recordings of their scores. I think that's why they're struggling with that. But these are great ideas. And I think we've got to get the passion going. There's definitely passion there. But let's use some of these new, cool new tools that are available to us. It is getting cheaper. It's getting faster to make these edits, to do these uh, graphics, these videos, chop them together. You can put some cool music over it now. They're all inbuilt into these apps. So I think these are little things that can really grow the sport, especially to outside eyes, right? It's got to look cool. Do you want those young guys to start coming down, which we love. We got the vets as well, but the young guys, the athletes, because that's what we're competing at now, right? Now we've got the niche guys involved, but especially Division 2 is going to grow when we start getting those trickle-down athletes. At the moment, we've got people who are super passionate. They'll always have a spot. We will always train them to become better athletes. But as those natural athletes start filtering in, maybe coming away from GAM, maybe coming away from rugby as they watch it on a Sunday on Sky Sports or whatever, I think that to feel like you're part of a big sport, to feel like you're part of a national sport, no matter what level you're playing at, I think that could be really cool. And I think it's it's going to happen. I can see FI, AFI making great strides to move that way. And I think we got to keep that going and really take advantage of some of the stuff that we already have on the menu. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a combination of all that, isn't it? Like you mm-hmm. do need your, your, your youth scrimmages where again, you're all pulled together and as many people are coaching up as many young lads and young players as possible. You need that social media presence. You know, I, I do a bit of content for, for the AFI with the whole, uh, reviews and stuff like that and you know that's nothing like all i'm doing is just typing about what happened at the weekend but it's something now we need a lot more we need people who are a lot more qualified than me to be able to run a social media page effectively like for a national organization but like there's other marketing sort of promotional type like i would love uh i don't know was it 2019 or 2018 maybe maybe even before that they were like July 4th weekend, like Friday night light type things. We, the only one that I can remember the Minotaurs being part of was one in Meath. And that had a couple hundred people at it. There was a barbecue, there was music, there was a DJ, there was a, a live commentator. And uh, again, played in the lights. And that was fantastic, you know? And it that's the sort of stuff that, drives interest in the game i don't know if you can split it up geographically so mm. probably like a night in cork where the admirals are hosting a night in dublin where say maybe a division two team um like yourselves maybe the pirates um and then one up in belfast for uh maybe or 
uh, say the Vipers maybe host one, or maybe again Vipers host in Belfast, bigger area. But I think stuff like that, if you can get that like American holiday tie-in, like that's where you're gonna get the most amount of interest from where our season takes place. Like nobody is gonna be coming to an American football game in the middle of April when it's pissing rain. Mm. But when you've good weather, when it's decent out in the evening and American signs all over the place, you're like, ah, yeah, sure, I'll pop over to that five euro entry or something like that. Like, I think if if we can work the schedule that way, like that's a simple fix that automatically should, fingers crossed, drive the interest in in those games at least. And hopefully a long term effect is that interest in those teams builds up. And I think. Again, it's just stuff like that that hopefully over the next couple of years, the powers that be can be like, okay, yeah, let's take a couple of these on board and uh, maybe you'll get your royalties. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think, <laughs> Joe, Joe, I think you've got a great point there. And I think it, it goes, as you said, everything is going hand in hand, right? It all has to happen at the same time for this to grow. And, and if you combine these, like the two things that you and Steve were talking about where, Maybe in the background, we don't even have to wait for the AFI. If we can get three teams with three coaches that have a good rapport, that that have the same idea, if you can share just a little bit of resources, like you said, if, if we can organize a match where one team hosts, they've got to pay for that field anyway already. If the other team can take some money that they already have, put on the barbecue so that when you pay your five quid in, it's free food. You'd be amazed, like you said, Steve, what free food can get you all of a sudden the atmosphere feels better people are going to keep an eye out when's the next one of these happening the tickets at the gate obviously split it between the two teams and yes overall you might lose money but the reality is lads we all know we all lose money on every single game that we play so if we can lose 250 quid more money a game but put on twice the show with 100 people watching us i'd much prefer that i think that's going to look better for the game. It's going to make everybody's life easier. Joe, you're going to not have to bring in get, uh, like reports from everywhere and, and compile them. In that 100 guys, there's got to be a guy from the league who can sit there, watch it, really take down the details. And all of a sudden now, everything starts getting bigger, gets a bit faster, gets a bit flashier. I think sometimes the league, as it was growing, had to be rigid, right? you got to set things up. You put up all these bylaws in. I'm not saying get rid of any of them, but we can be a little bit more fluid. Why can't us and the Rhinos go to the league and say, you have us playing next week and the Rhinos playing this week. We'd rather both play this week, both at the Rhinos. We're going to put on a... We're, the Pirates are going to contribute for a bit of a barbecue. The Rhinos have a have a young fella's like uncle or nephew wants to be a DJ. He's going to play some music at it for the exposure. We're going to have his banner up and tag it in him. And all of a sudden for, for only a couple of hundred quid now, you've got a much bigger experience, a much bigger atmosphere and a much bigger crowd. I think these are little things we, we don't necessarily have to wait for the AFI to come along. If we've got like-minded coaches, we can create that. And then when the AFI sees it, they can help us by putting extra structures, extra support in there opening up these lines of communication to say, well, how do you feel about playing? Or can we do uh, like a Belfast rivalry day where the Knights play the Trojans in the SPC or in a preseason friendly or we get, do you know what I mean? There's enough, like you said, local rivalries, I think, that can that can make that go and really make it a spectacle. I think the schedule thing is really interesting point that Joe made because 
we played our first game the week before Paddy's Day, and we played five games in May and June. Like, there is no sense to that yeah. season. Like, there is no sense to that season at all. But I know why it exists. It exists because we have college teams in our league. Every single one of our teams have players who go to college. It's not like we're not affected by exams. So, you uh, and this is no slight. Like, the UCD are, were the best team in the country this year. This is no slight on them at all. This is no slight on any of the college teams. We are not a college league. We should not be adapting our season and affecting every single team in the league because we have three college-based teams. We just shouldn't be doing it. Like we're either we're we're either going to give everyone the same break and we stop our season for three weeks or something in the middle of the summer and everybody stops, or nobody stops. Like it has to be like that. There has to be a level playing field. I think that's a really really simple starting point. But I think there's so many like. The thing is, I don't know if any of these points that we're talking about are ever discussed at an AFI level because there is a focus on on bylaws, on making sure that like, oh, such and such a team were recruiting in such and such an area and they shouldn't have been and things like that. And those things are important as well. But none of that grows the game. That's all very like GAA, local committee kind of stuff that there needs to be and like I'm happy to, to to volunteer to help with this, like if if needs be. But there needs to be that kind of almost like a, a, a pool of of people who care about the game here, who come together and go. Here are our proposals for what will grow the sport here. It's not team. It's not associated with any team. It's not associated with any division. These are simple steps that we can take. One of our lads made a really good point. Every single football... Now, Brazil is at a very different level compared to us. Every single game is recorded, and that tape is shared with every single team in the league. So there's not a requirement for teams to record games. The league is recording it. So there's no, like, oh, we'll only record certain plays. They're recording everything, and everyone has access to that tape. That, to me if we want to improve the coaching and the playing in this league is such an easy thing to start. You get one person and this, this is helped by double headers, isn't it? Because then you have the one Mm -hmm. person at the game, you give them 200 quid for the day to stay there. They're a film studies student or something. They have the gear, that kind of thing. They don't even have to know what they're looking at. They just point the camera at a certain place and everyone, then everyone has the tape. No one's no, this is the thing to me. So if we want to tape another team, I have to lose a coach or a player from a training session because they're going to that game to tape it. So like that to me, does like just a really small, that's one simple thing where we could all get better by the league, just stepping in and going, actually here's, here's, and this again, I'm not criticizing the league. I think the league do almost an impossible job because you're never going to keep everyone happy. Like we all have different thoughts. So you're not going to keep all of us happy, but, have they ever even explored that idea? Like in, in 2022, when you, Joe, you were saying like, it's not even about taping it. These, these games should be streamed. Like they, they stream like the most random events in GAA. Like, you know, a junior B, like, you know, hurling semi-final might be streamed, you know, on the local team's website. If they can do that, like in an era of 5G and better, like surely, surely having a, a video access to every single snap taken in this country, regardless of the division, is the first step to us getting better as coaches, us getting better as players and growing an interest. Because like you said, you might have this amazing touchdown 
stick it on social, let it go viral. You know, I remember years ago, I used to work for the 42. I think it was someone on the draw of the lightning, one of the linemen. Mm. Intercepted a big flick up in the air and he's like, that was picked up by like sports center in the U S from the story I did on the 42. It's things like that, that grow the interest in the domestic sport here. Um, And I, I think like, you know, I hate to bring this up in front of Joe because obviously, you know, Ty Henry and his podcast had that pop. Yeah. You know what? Like that was after the rebels had played us, saw that we, we were playing 13 players by the end of that game and they ran up a score. How is that growing the fucking sport here? That's not growing the sport here. Nobody's learning from that. So like, I think we all think that we have the best interest in the sport in our head, but until we get past that idea that our team is the most important part of the the the, the whole thing, we're never growing as a sport. Uh, we're always going to keep that backward step. So while lots of people have made good points and lots of people have good intentions, actions are the most important thing. Now. It's like, what are you actually doing to grow the sport? What are you actually doing to make this a better experience for fans, for players and things like that? So yeah, like that's there's a lot here, but I think like this is what we're we're 35 minutes or whatever it is into a discussion, and we've come up with maybe two dozen ideas. You can't tell me that that at least one of those ideas won't grow the sport here in a really simple, cost-effective way. Um, I I just think the league is is missing a trick here, um, by not at least putting that that process in place to get those ideas on board. Yeah, and look, and and that's it, and. Look, myself and Fiona have talked at training sessions before when it comes to things like this, when it comes to, if we just circle back to the social media things again, you, you can't tell me that there's not either like three guys, maybe four guys at different parts of the country that they can't say, right, here's the AFI login for the Instagram, go to a game in your local area today, put it out on social media, at least get some, like, even if you're start, starting with baby steps, for like a score update for anyone that wants to know what's going on in that game, even if someone scrolling by sees that there's a game in that area, that we can say, oh, well, let's go down, let's have a look. Even even something as simple as obviously this show and obviously yourself, Joe, as well, with the with the domestic game as well. Um, and I think the other show, the Irish NFL show, took it on themselves to you know make sure every Sunday that people were updated on the scores of that day. Something as simple as that, and look, I don't know if it wasn't for like podcasts taking on that and deciding, look, we have to showcase the game. I don't know if that would have happened this year. Joe, you doing the reports are, are great as well. Um, but like that, it's these we have these steps of like I know and some fantastic ideas here tonight. These baby steps that if we start with this, we can move up to to that. Um and Look, I don't know. I'll, I'll like the plan is to send this show anyway to them. If, if you guys listen, great. <laughs> we just want like twelve percent uh, credit for this. Uh, I'll share it out evenly. You know, three percent each for everyone. Um, oh, I'm included in that. Lovely. Okay. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't know. I was getting, uh, didn't know I was getting paid for this disappearance, but that's that's a great bonus. Love that. Ah, well, look, see, that's what we look after, I guess, here on this one. Uh, but yeah, um, more. I, w- <laughs> I want that because. There is a team that does sort of set the standard. And look, I look after the the Pirates' sort of social media as best I can. Um, and I've made a point of emphasis of trying to put videos out, trying to post out, and trying to get people's attention out there. And But I look at the sort of example that, say, 
the Trojans put out there. Um, now, people might give out about, like, oh, they're doing a mic'd up series, they're doing a behind the scenes series, like, why they're just the Trojans. But, it, you know, they're sort of trying to set a standard and. I don't know what how you guys feel on that with with that sort of that standard that they're trying to set, trying to get as much professionalism into the game as they can. And I think yeah. they are the team that a lot of us can sort of you know look at and and take some you know points from to sort of improve our own side of things. And look, I do the social media for this show. I do the social media. I I know it's a pain in the hole sometimes to try and do it, um, especially doing a post or editing videos or doing whatever and stuff like that. And, Look, my partner will tell you she she doesn't sees me with a laptop in front of, on my lap editing something almost every night of the week. Um, but you know these sort of steps. What do you think that how how big of a thing social media is going to be now in sort of you know getting our name and getting that sort of thing like each team improving sort of their social media presence. Yeah, I think it's it all comes down to fake it till you make it, Dara, really, doesn't it? Like, we are as big and as influential and as important as we make ourselves. The bigger, the louder, the brasher, the fancier we shout, the more everyone else is going to believe it. And they're going to come along for the show, the spectacle. It is one of the great aspects of this sport. It does make a great spectacle. Uh, and it's going to take a lot of work. It is definitely going to take a lot of teamwork. But I think it's there. I think you, you fake it till you make it. You you. You be as loud as you can and you put out a product that people want to have a look at. Yeah, I mean, you see the Trojans like on, on game day, they have their, um, you know, like their starting lineups and this is our offensive and defensive captains for today and lovely graphics that they went for a photo shoot to sort of do up for all the players. And um, they, I can't remember the name of the, the big inflatable Trojan they had up. Uh, and the big helmet as well that they're all running like that my first reaction to that was this is so stupid but I actually took a second I was like you know what they've made the effort and they've put in that time to be like you know what we're going to get this sorted we're going to make this look as big and as grand as possible for this day that at the end of the day was um, to help raise money for charity which is another plus but you know they've got they've gone to all that and they're the only team in Ireland to have done that and they made it as american as possible and it ended up working out for them i think like they'd a lot of people at their games i think every game day they they'd pretty good attendance especially compared to the rest of ireland and it's that sort of stuff that again like you said it's it's kind of driving up the profession professionalism in ireland slowly but surely and i think the more other clubs and AFI especially catch on to that themselves and build on their own professionalism, the the bigger and better hopefully this gets again, hopefully sooner rather than later. But it, again, it is it is a process at the end of the day, you know. I think my reaction to the Trojans was exactly the same as Joe's. My first was, oh Jesus Christ, like but when you actually do take a step back from it, so I think caveat all this with the Trojans have the best ground in the country. You've got your stand, you've got your bar right there, you've got your dressing room right there, you've got an area for loads of parking, you've got an area for, like, if you come to a game in Castle Knock, you have to walk 15 minutes to get to the pitch from where you park. Like, it's little things like that that are, are big differences, like, in ultimately attracting people to come to games. But 
I was looking at them the day the day we were playing them, and I was looking at the stuff. I was looking at like the big inflatable helmet that they run through. I was looking at the free pizza they were giving away. I was looking at the DJ and listening to the DJ. And you know, he 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 emailed us two nights before the game to say, "Can you give us your the name and like squad numbers for for all your players and things like that?" Because they cared. They wanted to make the announcements. They wanted the people at the fans to or at the game to kind of know who was catching the ball or not, like. And then I looked to my, and that was to my left. And then I looked to my right and I'm seeing 53 guys in gear. And I'm going, the reason they have the thing on the right is because of the thing on the left. It's not the other way around. They don't have all that stuff because they have the players. They have those players because they do all that stuff off the field. The Trojans, I know some people will, will see it as gimmicky or they'll see it as this or that, but they are they are exceptional at this. They are the benchmark for what this sport could be. Every single team with the right location, you know, we don't necessarily all have the best locations in terms of our our, our, our home games, but with the right location, could do something similar. Um we might not achieve it, but as Sean said, you fake it till you make it. You 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 go big or you go home. Like we we had a joke mascot, like of like a guy literally paid fifteen euro on Amazon for an inflatable rhino and then refused to wear it for the game. But like you know, you never know. So kid might come up and get photograph taken with that, and then he wants to come back to the next game. He drags his parents along, and his dad sees the game and he goes, "I'd like to try this," and he comes down to training the next week. It all can have a knock on effect that you actually don't realize it's going to have, and likewise, it's. The, the the thing like you the, the photo shoot that they did like that those things cost money and like money is hard to come by in our sport like we we're all probably out of pocket from this sport that we i i don't even want to think about how much i spent during the year on on football you know um and i wonder are we missing a massive trick in not pooling resources across the league the way they do in the NFL. Like every single time I buy a Raiders hat or a Raiders jumper, the other 31 teams in the NFL benefit from that. If they can do it on a mass commercial level, why can't we have a national league sponsor? Why can't the SBC be sponsored and that money divvied up between the teams? Why can't the league, you know, divisions one, divisions two, the same thing happen? Like there's work involved in that. It's an effort to, to get that to happen. But, if you want teams to get better and if you want teams to grow, you can't be asking coaches and players to constantly keep going back to the world, keep putting their hands in their pocket. Uh, we're very lucky on the Rhinos. Like our sponsors are absolutely amazing and they've always been great. They didn't pay for an advertising slot on this, so I'm not going to mention them by name, but they've been brilliant. They have been brilliant to us. I cannot fault them. Not every team is that lucky. Like not every team is that like you see teams having to do bag packs. You see teams having to walk into the shopping center and shake cans like still in 2022. Um, so I think, again, it's that it's that thing. Every single point, I feel like I'm a broken record, but it all goes back to thinking outside of your team and outside of your division and thinking about, well, what will benefit the league? What will make us all better? What will make us all enjoy it more? Because my God, is it like a slog? You know, doing social media for a team that's winning is the best feeling in the world. Doing social media for a team that's down six scores, that's that's a tough slog, like, you know? And I don't, I don't blame teams that stop tweeting and stop updating their Instagram during games when they're losing. But if there's someone else, if there's someone independent of us, of the team, doing that reporting, doing that like update from the game, then it's that bit easier, I think, as well. So, yeah, the Trojans, I think, fair play to them because, you know, 
when I first started in in football in this country far too long ago to remember they they didn't exist and now they are the, like I know they didn't have a great season this year and I know they were very much a home and away team this year but look how good they were at home look how much money they raised for charity and look how much interest the Trojans are pretty much the only team that constantly gener- generate media coverage as well and they do that because they reach out to the newspapers and they let them know that they're doing these things um and that that that's I think I I would happily sit in on a like a Zoom meeting or a, an in person meeting where the the Trojans sit down and tell the league how to do it. Like, what's your secrets? Like, what what do you do to get Budweiser as a sponsor, for example? Like, you know, um, it's 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 things like that that I would be fascinated to learn from a from a growing the game point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just going to ask very quickly because I know. Um... We're a little short for time at the moment, and I'd love to get your opinions on it because there was the recent um, general or uh, annual AGM, um, annual general meeting, sorry, AGM, I should have just said that, um, where the league, a proposed new league structure was um, ultimately actually not voted on in the end, um, changing division one and two to more. One of the uh, one of the proposals was a north and south. Um, now, Obviously, myself and Fionn being biased in that way, we felt that was going to be sort of extremely unfair because most of the teams in Division 2 were up north anyway at the time. Uh, uh, would have been all, and they would have all been part of the north and the proposed structure, including Dundalk. Um, I think Trinity actually would have been the only other team and it would have been with yourselves, obviously, Steve. And I think the Vikings would have been there with us too. And um, a big issue was um, uh, travel. Um, that was brought up at the time, and and um, I'd just love to get your opinions on it. Like I said, us ourselves, we the pirates, we didn't feel we didn't get to mention it. Obviously, at the start, I should have asked that. Obviously, the, the pirates obviously didn't have the best year either. Um, postponements were an issue on air side too. Getting numbers, you know, we we were lucky that um, the bulldogs unfortunately folded and a few of their players wanted to come over and play for us and, and we're thankful that they did, that we actually got to play football this year. And, you know, like with you, Steve, numbers were a, a big issue at times. We were getting down to 14, 15 players uh, going into a match day and it got down to maybe 12, 13 by the end of the game, including injuries. But, you know, it's it's we didn't have a problem with the sort of league at the time in the structure, now we had issues, and, and and Fiona, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more on it, but we had issues with how the Mavericks came down from two divisions getting to play, and um, despite still having you know SBC quality players still in their team, um, but uh, Fiona, go to even first on this one, like the proposed league structure, you weren't in favour as well with myself, and I don't know if you want to go into a little more detail with it. Yeah, I mean, look, I appreciate it is what we're talking about, all this show, looking at things from a different angle. Do Can we change what we've done traditionally to try and improve the game? I see where it was coming from. Personally, I I don't agree with the logic. I think that the big problem uh, was not necessarily the travel. It was the player numbers, and I don't think that's inherently affected by... Travel, I think most clubs have enough of an idea now how much a season costs. There is good budgeting being done by all the teams. The league 
will admit that the financial system or the financial health of each of the clubs, while it can be much better, is definitely much improved than it was years ago. So look, we know how much buses are going to cost. We know what teams are going to be in the league. I do like the system that it's currently at. And I do also believe as much as we like to say football and is very close, I do still think there's a distinct level difference between division two and division one i think that is there i think we have to accept that and like the guys already mentioned like steve spoke on when you're losing it's that's really hard to keep players and so it needs to be competitive you can lose and and feel close and you'll keep guys engaged if it's over at halftime in eight six of the seven games that you play that's it's going to be very difficult to end the season so look i'll keep it brief from here on I do like the way the structure is at the moment. I do have sympathy for the league with respect to Dundalk situation. I think that was an unfortunate set of circumstances. These bylaws, as as Steve mentioned earlier, look, they're not glamorous. They do have to be in place. And sometimes they lead to unexpected consequences like that. I think everyone can agree. It was a, it was a surprise, right? They didn't win the division. That's a surprise. Uh, and look, we, we all have to deal with it. Look, if the, if the worst thing is we all have to play loud next year and then they win and go up that's fine guess what the rest of the league should still be competitive as well if we're the only team up in what is essentially division division one i think that would be a much worse overall health wise for the league and for obviously a selfish point of view for the pirates as well so i am personally in favor of keeping with the with the league as it is let's let let's let dundalk play or yeah sorry dundalk play it out let's see how it goes uh the mavericks Let's see how they go. If they can win the, the league this year, great. That'll get them back on track. Everyone else will be back back to order. And let's just go and play football now. Let's keep it as consistent as we can and just go and play football. I, I slightly disagree. I think the travel is a big issue. I think there is there is an argument there. So I see their I see their viewpoint in why they wanted to reduce the travel because I think there is a it's not necessarily even a financial thing. It's actually about getting guys onto buses willing to take a three or four hour trip and play a three hour game and then take a three or four hour trip back. However, I think more important is competitiveness. Um, and I think if you have a former SBC team playing a division two team there is going to be there should be a gulf in 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 quality there not necessarily quality sorry quality is the wrong word experience because usually the 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 division two teams are newer um and that's that's the biggest one and then numbers you know uh numbers tends to be the 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 other the other deciding factor so for me i think fairness is the most important thing and i think having a competitive league where People are going, ooh, will it be the Vikings? Will it be the Rhinos? Will it be whoever go up this year? Is much more important than anyone going, oh, well, at least you only had like 800 kilometers total travel this year because nobody's talking about that once the season is over. I I wonder, I wonder though, like, do we need, if we're doing a development league, does that need to be a league where maybe we have not necessarily, I'm not saying four divisions, but maybe we do have three divisions and the SBC is the SBC. The second tier is for, for teams that have come down from the SBC or older teams or, or things like that. And teams who have made the leap from that developmental thing. 
my wonder about the developmental thing is should we reduce the number of teams there and let's make it more competitive you play each other twice you introduce that rivalry element so you have maybe four teams there or six teams at most and you play each other more often but you do play you have those six games a season or five games a season you have competitive football that guys are interested in because they've got a chance at winning a bowl at the end of it to me that is the key is that it has to be competitive you can't have you can't have a team i'm not going to name names who who give up halfway through the season and we're always going to give up halfway through the season because that's what they've done for three or four seasons like you can't have that that's not a developmental league that's a team who you have lads who want to play football up to a certain point and then they're gone home for the rest of the summer. That's helping nobody. And it goes back to my point. You either have a level playing field for everyone or you don't. Um, so I think give give guys competitive football, give guys a chance to be in games. Nobody, nobody in any sport is interested in being playing when you're you're you've no chance of winning at halftime. That's no good to anyone. So I think forget about the travel it's not important what's important is you know i even like look at like the minotaurs and, and and ourselves right i would like to think that i think the minotaurs probably based on last season head to head win three out of five games against us right based on how our teams performed last season i think this season it's probably the same like you know but there's a there's a there's a middle ground here of teams who float between the sbc and division 1 and then there's a, there's a middle ground between teams who float between divisions one and divisions two. Those teams should be playing each other more often. They're the ones who should be playing, you know, m- most often because you're going to get the most exciting games. You're going to learn the most because you're going up against, as I said to you earlier on, we were so often behind in games, we'd have to abandon the run game. And my QB, who's an excellent running, running quarterback, has no chance to actually show his skills. Um and it's, it's little things like that that I think, I wonder, do you take something like Rugby 7 system where, you know, you have those, I'm not saying like participation trophies, but you have like a developmental champion. You have a team like, like you know, they have a chance to play against two of the developmental teams, say, for example, have a chance to play off in a game that has something on the line at the end of it, you know? And whether that is the team dropping down, there also is that argument is that, like the League of Ireland, where you have one of the teams dropping down, plays one of the teams coming up, because the level is so close, and that's a relegation promotion playoff. That's an exciting game for everyone to be involved in um, as well. So again, it comes back to me that just, let's not settle on a league that suits one thing, so travel in the case of the proposal, or competitiveness. in the Let's find something that matches everything, and I think having I'm not saying introducing a, a, a relegation promotion playoff is the most revolutionary idea, but it means that there's competitive games right the way through the season. Even if you're the worst team in the SBC or the worst team in Division 1, you still have a competitive game that everyone's willing to show up and train for at the end of the season. And that could be important. That could be the difference between getting you know, 40 people down for your last training session and 20. Um, so... I don't know. I think I think there's there's more to be done with the structure than just simply basing it off the idea of lads don't want to travel. I really don't think that's a, a great way of doing it at all. I think it was just uh, it was very reactionary from how the season went 
obviously nothing changing in the Premier Division because no forfeits, but then you go down and you have obviously what happened in Division 1 where the four teams that made the playoffs were the four teams that were remaining in the division because the other two folded. And I think it's it's when you have such small divisions, you're leaving yourself open to something like that. Like, not to knock the Crusaders, right? Crusaders are a good team. They do good players, and, and they seem to be rebuilding something, which, fair play to them, right? Were, were were they a playoff team? I know they came close against the Vikings in the semi-final, but they went one... Uh, oh, God, what did they go? One, three, and one in games that they played, I believe. One, three, and one. Now, I know there's teams in the NF- in the NFL that will probably end up in the playoffs at like seven and ten, knowing how the NFC South is going. But uh, like that shouldn't really be happening. So I see why they were trying to expand how many teams are in one division with the North and the South. But again, it's that whole case of you're you're combining a you're leaving a higher parity of of skill level. I think combining that eventually brings competitiveness, but in the short term, if that drives players out of teams who are on that lower level, then it's going to kill those clubs immediately. So you're kind of hoping that they survive, but then it, it's kind of leading to the same problem in that you're hoping teams survive a season in order to hope help grow. So you're in the same position as you were when you had the divisions separate or the, the two smaller divisions. So again, it's just that case of maybe trialing something, maybe trialing this North and South and see how it goes for two seasons. And again, I know that's risking it um potentially risking clubs there but again it's that whole case of I'd rather try it and know it didn't work and then throw something else at the wall because at least then it, at least then it's an active trying out ideas and trying to bring every club closer in competitive level because again like like you said Fionn, there is a difference between bottom of div 2 and top of Div 1 or bottom of uh, Premier Division. I think when you go to, say, if you look at um, uh, across the IRC there in the Premier League and Championship, you know, those teams kind of between mid-table and uh, in the Premier League, mid-table and Championship, they're all roughly kind of even. And when you transfer that over to here, there's a, there is a massive gap. So I do like that they're trying something to bring that gap a little, a little smaller. So maybe try it out. I don't know. Again, there's pros and cons to every kind of decision you're going to make. So I'd rather they make a call on it sooner rather than later, at least, so we know where we stand, as opposed to having been, what are we, three weeks now from the AGM and still not really having an answer. Yeah. Can I just say one more thing on competitiveness as well? Because I think this is important. We have even within the SPC and division, the Premier Division, there's a huge gulf between the top three teams and everyone else. Like the yeah. Panthers, we, we I think we would all consider the Panthers one of the most successful teams in the country and one of the best-run teams in the country. I think they're a uh, declaration of interest. I'm a former coach of the Panthers. I think they're a very well-run club. The Panthers consistently reach semifinals and playoffs, have never had a winning season in their history, 
even the year they reached the Shamrock Bowl, because they lost the Shamrock Bowl, they had they had a tied season, they had an equal season. They've never had a winning season. And yet there's a team that consistently makes the playoffs. So you can succeed in this sport while still losing a lot of games. Ultimately, the cream consistently rises to the top, as we saw the year Cork won it, the, the, all the years the Trojans have won it. And obviously this year with UCD, like at UCD are phenomenal outfit and it, it, it paid off for them this year. I think it, it worked really well. But if you can get to that level, if you can get to the SBC level, to that Premier Division level, you have a realistic chance if you can win three games of making the playoffs. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know if it's a good thing. I genuinely don't know if it's a good thing. I think we maybe it, it gives teams an extra competitive game at the end of a season, but is it putting teams into a false position of thinking they're better than they are or not feeling like they don't need to take another step. So like, there's lots of questions around, like you could almost break our entire league structure into like micro divisions of four teams and have those four teams consist play each other twice every year. Like you really could do that because that's where the groups are. The groupings are there. Now we're never getting to that. We're never getting to that stage. I don't think, because I think, people will lose interest too quickly and they'll run out with names for the bowls as well, which is, you know, going to be a, 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 a problem. But I do think we are much more... Uh, the under-centre bowl has a good ring. <laughs> nice, there you go. Great <laughs> there you go. But I do think that there, we're, we're much more... There, like I think we could all sit down with a list of the kid football teams in this country and group them into like pods of four where you go, Jesus, that's a really competitive division. Like that, that, that would produce six really good games of football for each team. Um, but I don't, we're not big enough as a sport to, to start thinking that that kind of on, on that micro level. We have to have a, a division of eight teams as our top tier, or but which is a shame because really there's two conference, there's two divisions within that top division. Um, and everyone's kind of battling for to stay up in the bottom four and for, for the playoffs in the top four. Um, but I do like the idea of, of, of making as many games mean something as possible. And I, Joe, I know what you're saying about like trial it cause it's something different and you never know it might work. But when you look at the, like the, the chance that a former SBC team could be playing a former division two team this year, Jesus, don't get me wrong. The Pirates could turn around and beat the Rhinos. There's no, there's no question that that could happen. But on paper, at least, it doesn't look like a fair matchup. It doesn't look like a fair thing to to to, to ask a team to do, especially a team that's trying to grow. Like the Rhinos have been around a long time, you know, and we've got a lot of of veterans. Like the Pirates are still a relatively new football team in in this country, and they need to be. You know, I'm not telling you Fionn or Dara anything you don't know already but like you need to be given a chance to grow as a team like you need to be given an opportunity to add to your numbers to get coaches in to get players in that's not going to happen if you're losing games 30 or 40 nil on a consistent basis I know it's not going to happen because I just experienced it at an SBC level so I, I think let's keep let's keep it in a way that's fairest for everyone because again it comes back to, to to just making the sport better and more fun like jesus we're all giving up enough time that we should be enjoying it like there is i i drove home i drove home from the knights game on my own uh and it's probably the most miserable two hours i've ever spent in a car 
And I, I I thought to myself at one stage, somewhere around like, I don't know, Enfield, I was like, why are you doing this if it's not fun? Like, it's a hobby at the end of the day, like, and it should be fun. And we are losing people for whom it's no longer fun. Um, and, and we need to keep those people and get those people back into the sport because they're the lifeblood of the sport. You can you can have the best coaches in the world. You can have, you know, all the great stuff around games. People aren't enjoying themselves. You're not going to turn up on a cold Sunday morning, you know, in the snow and ice to train. You're just not going to do it. Uh, and and, and let the, the way to do that is by making sure they have competitive games to play every Sunday. Um, I think that is going to be a perfect place to wrap up this show, guys. We could probably talk for another three or four hours for sure about what could be done. And look, maybe it's something we can revisit again in the new year when we get closer to the league season. But I'd really want to thank um, both yourself, Steve and Joe, for taking the time to speak to me today. And I, I hope you enjoyed the chat. Really did. Uh, apologies if if we get the rhinos deducted points for anything I said. I didn't mean it. <laughs> View, the views do not represent those of the, the no they're the purely personal views yeah 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 it'll just be a personal fine then so Steve. yeah yeah it's fine yeah. <laughs> use the book revenue but, you know yeah yeah but at the end of the day like this is uh just to go back to what you were saying about hoping you were enjoyed like you know that this is what we're here for you know like this is the sort of stuff that hopefully will help grow more conversations not just in the fi board but around other clubs and like you were saying steve maybe Panthers talk to the rebels who talk to the Trojans and there's a thing thrown together and you know hopefully we've started something here that drives a bit of change in the future fingers crossed definitely for sure and if not I just have the scene of like Bender and Futurama getting kicked out of me and saying screw you we'll make our own league you know <laughs> better league with 4th of July, July celebrations and double headers <laughs> and free ice cream don't no. get the free ice cream and free, and ice, free cream. ice cream. Absolutely, yeah. Don't forget the free ice cream as well. That is the main selling point. We'll have to have the league sponsored by HB or something like that. Um, for sure. Oh, stop. That'd be unreal. <laughs> I don't think I'd go. I think don't think I'd get to training anymore. I'd just be there for the games <laughs> on the sidelines, stuff in my face with, with brunches. That'd be incentivize you to go to training, you know? There you go. Oh, Your free ice cream for the training you're, session. You're paying me and definitely get the big last <laughs> Definitely, definitely get me running around the pitch if I know that I'm chasing after like a, a brunch or something like that or a twister. Um, but like that, Fionn as well, thank you so much for taking the time speaking. Pleasure as, well. as always, Dara. Pleasure as always. Um, that has been a review of the AFI season of 2022. We are really looking forward to the 2023 season, whichever way that may be. I'm sure all of us are itching to just get back to start playing and hitting people and or Steve's case, coaching people to hit people, you know? Because uh, <laughs> he's the one smart enough to... You're the one smart enough to not do it anymore. You just tell other people to do it. So <laughs> I admire you for that, for sure. <laughs> Before we do go, make sure you are following the show on Twitter, at UndercenterPod. The same on Instagram, at UndercenterPod. Um, follow us on YouTube, or if you want to listen to podcasts on the go, just search Undercenter Podcast. That's where you'll find us. Subscribe, follow, do whatever you need to there. Uh, Joe, before we go, um, do you want to uh, plug uh, the domestic game as well, where they can follow you on that? Absolutely not. No. Uh, yeah, no, the <laughs> domestic game on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, follow me while you're at it as well. Why not? If you can find me. Yeah. Uh, and Steve, um, where can people 
follow you for uh, book info as well for when it's coming oh, book out. Book info, yeah. God, I'm sure oh, yes. start getting good at that, yeah. Um, so Steve, at Steve O'Rourke, O-H, Rourke, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, all the usuals. I'm even on TikTok now because I'm young and cool. Um, I don't post on TikTok. Uh, yeah, the book is called And the Bang on the Ear. It's a biography of a 15-year-old who went up to head the ball in the game of football and was in a coma for three months afterwards and uh, about his life uh, since uh, that accident. It's out in O'Brien Press in March 2023, available in all good bookshops and some terrible bookshops as well. And then also, if you are listening to this, we should mention as well, and you are interested in playing American football, there is plenty of clubs all over Ireland that you can find if you want to join. Give it a shot. Even if you have to ask the team any questions, you can go to American Football Ireland to find your local club. If you're in uh, Dublin around the Castle Knock area and stuff like that, you can, of course, Steve, contact Steve with the Dublin Rhinos. If you're around Westmead, Joe and the Minotaurs are there for you. If you're in North Dublin, maybe a little away from Castleknock, maybe closer to Donamead and Santry, there's a Dublin North Dublin Pirates for you as well. Like I says, all of our Instagram pages are there. Send a question into it, and I'm sure the lads and ourselves will be able to answer it as much as we can. But like I said, that's where we're going to wrap up this edition of the show. And um, we will be back again next week, looking back at the NFL um, as per usual. But until next time, stay safe, and we'll see you soon.